Welcome back to the Surviving Loving an Addict podcast. I'm Karsten Millward, and we're here today with David Millward. Thank you for being here, Dad. This is so great. Love it. <laughs> we're, j- we're laughing because it takes 12 or 13, sometimes two tries, to to say the name of our podcast. <laughs> we came up with that in about four minutes, yeah. maybe two. Yes. But... Finding that as we go gets uh, tougher and tougher sometimes. Yeah, and the acronym gets more and more relevant. That's right. Slap. Slap. (laughs) Hey, look, I want to talk about something that was really important today that as family members I think is really fundamental and key to understand. Um, I read a while ago in some manual And I'm sorry, I can't quote exactly which one of the manuals it is that I've read over the years. But it talks about there being three types of love. So I wanted to talk about love today. And um, so it says the first type of love is expressed in terms of, I will love you if. You've heard that before, right? I love you if. I love you if. I, I love you if you buy me a new car. I love you if you will... Uh, take me on a date. I love you if you will. Yeah, I don't think people say that. No, but actively, it's, but, but it is right. unfortunately implied. I won't, or I think that the bigger "I love you" as if is, I won't love you if you don't do this. I won't love you if you don't do that. I won't love you if you don't do this. Right? Yeah, I think that's where you would see that more. And so we use it. I mean, it's it's like, yeah, oh, I just love this person so not much, and I love them, and I love you if, and, you know, we get these things all, this whole love thing all kind of misconstrued and stuff, but uh, but that's one of the things that we can attribute. I love you if. Second one is, uh, use words like, I love you because. I love you because. Well, I love you because you're so kind to me. I love you because, I love you because you're beautiful. Okay, so that to me also sounds like, I love you when. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So the problem with those two types of love would be that they're really not love, are they? And they're conditional. It's conditional. It's conditional on if you provide something, if you perform a certain way, if you behave a certain way, if you do the things I want you to do, then I'm going to give you my love. Now, if you don't do the things that I want you to do, you're going to reap my wrath. All right. So you can, you can see me, but all but the, the viewers can't. I'm giving you a funny look right now because I'm, my mind's racing and going places. Love is a very strange thing because mm-hmm. we talk about it a lot. We use the word love, but... I think most people would describe it very differently if we were to talk about it. love is, I mean, I didn't understand the word love until my first daughter was born. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and then in that moment, I also understood what it meant to be loved. Right. Uh, and so what we say, I love you if, or I love you because I, I mean, the word love is completely, I mean, it's, it's out, out of place of, there. It's out of context in that sentence. Yeah, because that's not how 
a good parent loves a child. Right. However, it's funny because as a good parent, sometimes we portray I love you if you do this. Yeah. Now, if you go to church, I love you. Or if you get good grades, I love you. Or when you do the things I want you to do, I love you. Now, they might not say you. the words. I love you if you get first place. Yeah, you take first place and I love you. Yeah. Right. And I'm going to reward you because I love you because you did this. And and so, you know, sometimes words aren't expressed, like you said. We don't necessarily say I love you if or I love you when or we love you because. Communication is made up of 7% words. That's it. 7% of communication is in the words that we speak. Right. 35% of it of communication is in our body language and our tone. It was it was amazing. We used to have this wonderful dog. She would stand beside me and I loved her to pieces. Her name was Molly. One day I'm sitting there and I looked at her and I thought, oh my gosh, you've never said a word to me. You haven't ever told me that you were hungry or you needed to go outside. But somehow we communicated it in a level that didn't even include words. You know, body language and tone communicate so much. Here's the other 58% just for interest's sake. It's listening. If I want to communicate something to you, I have to be able to listen 58% of the time. 58% of the time is me listening to know that you heard what I said and that you interpreted my body language and tone correctly. That's what makes up communication. So I don't have to say the words, I love you if, or I love you because. My body language and my tone will speak louder than my words as I'm trying to do that, right? And so as we're growing up and as we're teaching you know, our kids and, our, and we're with our, our family members, we have to be really cognizant of if we are communicating I love you statements of if, when, because, because those are actually based on my selfish needs. Mm-hmm. It's not true love. It's conditional. Here's the greater thing. Well, go ahead. So let's let's break this down. So we've talked about the first two kinds of love. Mm-hmm. I love you if. I love you because. And the scary thing of communication being that I don't have to say those to communicate them. Right. I can use my body language, my tone, As and, the a way that I, and the way that I listen to accidentally communicate that to those that I love. As a dad, if you brought me your report card and I looked at it, and I say to you, oh, well, that's not too bad. The words just said, hey, that's not bad. You did a good job. But what did you really hear? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that it? What is this? I can't believe you did so poorly, right? Right. And you're disappointed because you felt that from me. The words, you know, the words that said, oh, you did, this is nice, whatever. They were nothing compared to the way my body language and tone made you feel. Right. Now, as a dad, I'm thinking, there, I just told him I did a good job. Or I, but even, or if you're feeling some disappoint, disappointment and you thought that you had masked it. Right. Like, well, I said the words. Right. Right. So 
now I've got my son who I just told him he did a crappy job without saying those words. You communicated that to him. I communicated perfectly that to you and you walk away disappointed and hurt. Potentially thinking, you only love me if I'm perfect. I get good grades. I'm perfect or if I yeah. do what you want or or any of those kinds of things. And so it's like, oh my gosh, man, as families, we have to be very careful how we are communicating, especially to our children as they're growing up. Because you know what? There's four basic human needs. And we talk about uh, Maslow's tri- or hierarchy of needs, but let's break it, break it down into four needs that we have. Our first need is to have clothing and shelter, food to eat. Mm-hmm. We lump them all together. The second need that we have as human beings, we need to love and be loved. Look how important that is to our identity and to who we are and how we see ourselves. Okay, I might be getting the first need taken care of. Maybe I'm not, but shelter, food, clothing. But that need to be loved and be able to give love is huge. And in the next one, I need to matter. I have to be important. What I'm doing has to mean something. You know, if I, as a parent, I'm not expressing to my children the love in a way that they can feel it, and that might be good. At, we'll talk about what that third type is in just a second. But if we're not, I'm not expressing it in a way that he can feel it. And if he doesn't understand that he matters, you know, and what you've done matters, we have a tendency to look for those, or get those needs filled in unhealthy ways. Now, okay, the third type of love. The third type of love says this. It says, I love you even though. I love you even though we may not agree politically, or even though you may not we not may not agree religiously, or or even though you don't do what I want, even though you've made mistakes, even though you struggle, even though and we, and we call that unconditional love. Right? Yeah. How well do we strive? to express our unconditional love to our family members. This is a good question. So how, how would you pull this into the context of addiction? So since the root of addiction, one that I believe is the root of addiction is my self-loathing. Where does that come from? You know, we do a thing uh, called autobiographies in, in residential programs and other programs. And some and of the treatment facilities. Treatment facilities, yeah. yeah. Treatment programs, okay. Right. And and part of an autobiography, we, we use it as a tool to be able to uh, get into somebody's life, their history, their past, to try to figure out what was missing. Well, so often what was missing was that feeling of I'm okay, that I'm acceptable the way I am, right? That who I am matters. The grades I'm bringing home, the efforts I'm making, this, these things matter. Mm-hmm. 
Now, if they're not acceptable, if it doesn't matter, if I don't feel that connection, that love, I am going to do something to take care of that second basic need to feel loved and to love another person or something. Now, unhealthy coping ways might be, I'm going to numb out. I'm going to discover drugs and alcohol and I'm going to take a pill. And all of a sudden it doesn't matter. I don't feel it anymore. I don't, I'm not weighed down by that. I just don't add up. My father doesn't love me. I, I can't do good enough. I can take a pill or I can drink something. And all of a sudden that thing is gone. Well, I'm either going after, you know, inappropriate ways to fill that love need or I'm doing something to make it so it doesn't hurt. Okay. So I imagine that some of the people listening to this uh, who have an addict, a loved one going through addiction, um, maybe they are able to love even though now the addict may have had another relationship right with a parent or whoever where that i love you even though was not there what would you say to the person who who's providing the i love you even though and and, and knows that they are they're doing their absolute best to love unconditionally but now, there's a hole in the person that they love who's going through addiction. Now, here's the problem. There is a hole in the, in, in the heart or the soul of the person that they love that's going through addiction. And now is the thing when you have to discover you can't fill that hole. Okay? And let's say that, man, I wasn't the best parent growing up, you know, with my kids. That I wasn't the best dad and that, that, I, that I hurt or I, you know... Anger. Anger is a funny thing. Uh, you know, anger typically is fear coming out in, you know, angry tones. So when I'm when I'm mad, when I'm screaming at somebody, let me go back. Ma- when I'm mad or screaming at somebody or yelling, usually it's just it's fear coming out of me. Mm-hmm. That, that's what it is. So when I'm expressing my fear in those angry tones, I'm hurting somebody. When what I really want to do is be squeezing them, holding them, loving them, and telling them that I'm I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Well, I may have done a lot of that. My kids might have suffered from that. I can't go back and fix it. But here's what I can do. Is that from this moment, today, moving forward, I'm going to do my very best to express an unconditional love to each and every one of my children or each and every one of my family members. That even though, whatever the circumstances are, I love you. So Mm -hmm. as you're sitting here and you're thinking, you know, as a parent, and you've got someone that you love and and they're trapped in addiction, you know, what am I going to do? Well, first of all, you're going to start with what kind of love am I expressing to this individual? Am I expressing a, a, I love you when you quit drinking, I'm going to love you? Because here's what we're really good at, uh, good as as addicts, is reading between the lines. When you say, oh, you know, when you quit drinking, you know, I'll just love you so much. Well, that's not what you're really trying to say. You're trying to say, I want you to quit drinking because I don't want to lose you. But as the addict, I just heard, when I'm drinking, you don't love me. 
when I'm using, you don't love me. When I quit, then that'll be something else, you know. So as we're sitting here and talking, how do we express it in unconditional ways? It's, I love you. I know that this is hurting you. I know that you're going through this. I love you. I can't fix this thing for you. I may have contributed and I expect I accept my responsibility. However, in loving you unconditionally, I am also going to let you fix you. Okay. So I think that you answered two questions there. So recognizing my my loved one may have a hole from having been loved if or loved because and maybe i've loved them even though all along that hole i have to recognize that that hole is not mine to fill right in in my loved one Right. right that said if it is my hole to fill if it is, if there's something that I could be doing better, it's time to just make the switch. Right. To decide, I'm going to start loving everyone, even though. Right. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Because we'll all carry responsibility in some way of something that somebody would have hurt. Right. And my responsibility now as a family member or as an individual is, is that I'm going to try to just start loving everybody unconditionally. I don't need to fix them. I don't need to change them. And here's what I understand. I understand that whatever they're walking through, I can hold their hand while they go through it, but I can't fix it for them. Right. And I'm going to love them enough to let them do it themselves. Right. Which sounds kind of you know contrary to that whole idea of loving them enough. You know, because if I love them enough, I'm going to fix them. Well, no, I'm going to love them enough that they can fix themselves. Okay, so that's so that's a good point. Because uh, because there's another thing to realize is there there's no I can't love unconditionally so much that I fix somebody. Right. Even if I even if it's a hole that I've created, even if I hold some guilt. I can't just love them and fix them and fix their problem. And that's, and, and that's not my, it's not, I can't do it and it's not my job. So now here's what I can do also on that. Let me just jump on top there, but, but here's something that I can do. I can acknowledge that I may have been a part of that, 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 that was my bad. Yeah. You never did this. You know what? You're right. Or maybe they're wrong. Maybe I did it all along. They just didn't see it or feel it. But let's say I do carry responsibility in this. Okay. You're right. I did do that. And I'm so terribly sorry. And I love you. Okay. Well, I want you to, I want you to buy me a house, take care of the, no, I can't do that. Yeah. But I love you. Yeah. And I'm here for you. Right. This is, yeah, this is important. Somebody listening to this, I think, could be thinking, what? what? Why are we talking about this person instead of the addict and their faults and their things? And the, the truth is, uh, our goal with this podcast is talk to the person loving the addict and to offer support that way. Yeah. So the addict has their thing, their things, and we're focusing on surviving loving an addict. 
So I think that this is a good segue um, to a poem. Yeah, this is a wonderful poem that I heard. Okay. So this comes, it's hard to, it's hard to find the actual author. A yeah. lot of people say unknown author. There are a few others that attribute this poem to Nelson Mandela. So we're going to say both. Uh, we would not want to pl plagiarize anybody. No. Uh, so here's the title of the poem, man. It's important, we understand, it says, letting go takes love. Letting go takes love. Now we're talking about that unconditional love, that, that, you know, that thing that even if love, that's what we're talking about. It takes that kind of love to let go of another person, to let them fix their own lives. Go ahead. Well, actually, I have a question okay. before we get started. So letting go, right? So we talked about, I love you even though, and now we're now we're saying letting go. Right. So I'm going to ask you to connect those one more time. Okay. So, I, so, you know, I love you even though you do all these things wrong or you don't do what I want or you do everything I want and I'm just, you know, I love you unconditionally okay now here's the thing i can't fix you now if i'm in a position of i love you when you do what's right i love you when you this or that or the other i might really try to fix you because i want to express that love you know i want you to be whole and well so that i can love you there but i love you no matter what's going on now, so often I'll tell people, you know, you're going to love this person to death. We've talked about that before. You have to let them do this. You have to let them fix it. And the biggest struggle that I see is for a parent or a loved one to let go of trying to fix that other person. So the thing I love about this, letting go takes love, is this talks specifically to the family members or the, the loved ones here. And you want me to read it? You want to read it for us? No, I'll read it. And I actually think that I'm uh, understanding a lot better. Okay. Uh, the difference between I love you even though, separating that from I love you if, and yeah. I love you because, mm -hmm. is letting go of the expectations in I love you if and I love you because. Excellent. So letting go by maybe Nelson Mandela. Definitely unknown. To let go does not mean to stop caring. It means I can't do it for someone else. To let go is not to cut myself off. It's the realization I can't control another. So I'm going to stop you every once in a while to cut myself off. Sometimes people think, well, let go means I'm just going to have to shut the door, close my eyes, turn my back. No, that's not what it means. It means coming to a realization that I just can't do this for you. Okay. To let go is not to enable, but allow learning from natural consequences. To let go is to admit powerlessness, which means the outcome is not in my hands. To let go is not to try to change or blame another, it's to make the most of myself. To let go is not to care for, but to care about. 
Now, i got to stop you here because caring for and caring about, we sometimes get the misguided idea that my job is to care for everybody. Well, that's not the, thing. That's not the case. I mean, take, for example, if you have somebody in a care center, there are people that are hired to care for them, and they will feed them, clothe them, do all those things. They may not care about them, but they will care for them. This is a beautiful concept. My job isn't to do all those things for you, but I can care about you or I can love you. So my job isn't to take care of you. My job is just to love you. To let go is not to fix, but to be supportive. To let go is not to judge, but to allow another to be a human being. To let go is not to be in the middle arranging all the outcomes, but to allow others to affect their destinies. To let go is not to be protective, it's it's to permit another to face reality. To let go is not to deny, but to accept. To let go is not to nag, scold, or argue, but instead to search out my own shortcomings and correct them. To let go is not to adjust everything to my desires, but to take each day as it comes and cherish myself in it. To let go is not to criticize or regulate anybody, but to try to become what I dream I can be. To let go is not to regret the past, but to grow and live for the future. To let go is to fear less and love more. And to let go and to let God is to find peace. I love it. I love it. So, let me tell you a personal story about this. Coming to understand what it means to let go and let God, for example. So, in in my faith, we send our young men out on two-year missions. And uh, one of my sons went to Mexico City on his mission. And at the time that he went to Mexico City, there was a swine flu, there was a earth, an earthquake, there was, there was all kinds of different disasters and things going on, and he was 2,000 miles away from me. There was not a darn thing that I could do about it. I couldn't run down and pick him up, couldn't fix him, couldn't do anything to help him in any way. And I was scared to death. That feeling of fear and, and, and that you get when you can't fix or, hurt or help another person, you know, sometimes it can make you do all kinds of stupid things. But uh, one day, somebody asked me, that, you know, we talked about uh, what was going on in, uh, with the drug cartels in Mexico. And they said, oh, aren't you just scared to death and worried for your son? And at that point, I told them I'm not. And they said, well, how could that be? And I said, well... I had a conversation with God. I said, God, he is your son before he's my son. I love him with all my heart. And I can't do anything. And I trust that you love him more than I do. And I know that you can do all things. I am letting go of him. He is in your hands. And I trust that whatever the outcome is, that you're in charge. 
you know, from that moment on, I had the greatest feeling of peace come over me because I was able to let go and understand that for me, I knew that God could take care of them, could watch over them, could protect them, and I couldn't. And so as we look at our loved ones, coming to a place where you can let go, you can love them unconditionally, even though they're in difficult circumstances and difficult places, you can love them unconditionally. And you can let them be in charge of their lives. You can let go. And the great thing is, is the personal freedom that comes to you when you learn how to do that. So, love unconditionally. Let God handle them, because you can't. I think we're going to call it there. Sounds good. Thank you for listening and joining us on the Surviving Loving and Addict podcast. Dave Millward. Karsten Millward. And we will be with you again soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Surviving Loving and Addict podcast. The views expressed in this podcast must not be interpreted as personalized medical advice. Those experiencing addiction and those with loved ones experiencing addiction are urged to seek medical attention and professional counseling from providers experienced in addiction therapies and treatment. Thank you.